It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it's Daddy Soda Time here on the College Draft Podcast, presented, of course, by DraftKings. It is also August 1st, which means it is time for all these college football players to report to camp. There will be games later on this month, actual games that actually count. You need to be fired up. I'm fired up. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. Now I call college football games for CBS. I call NFL games for Westwood One and be doing the Eagles preseason games again. Love, love, love doing some games as a broadcaster. Love talking college football. You can check me out on social media at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. even have a TikTok, which I'm trying to grow. And then, of course, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ross Tucker Pod. That's the best way to know, A, when the show has been loaded and is ready for you to listen to or watch, and B, to get the highlight clips of the other shows maybe that you don't watch on the regular or listen to on the regular you can also check those out at youtube.com slash ross tucker nfl speaking of youtube my co-host on this show is a full-fledged youtube star football game plan on youtube at fball game plan on twitter football game plan.com slash 2023 draft guide is the draft guide the great Emery Hunt. Emery, how are you? I'm doing fine, Ross. It is August 1st, which means it is the 15th year anniversary of football game plans start. So I am excited. Um, it, it's, it feels like yesterday I was sitting in an apartment in Newark, New Jersey, coming up with the web design and how, what we're going to call this website and to see where the progression has gone from website to, you know, uh, YouTube, the first you know, videos in 09 to doing games, high school and college games like yourself and to now being on CBS and, and also just continue to progress uh, within the industry. It's, it's been fun to see. And I'm it's, it's it's time really does fly when you're having fun, man. That is amazing. I forget what year did you graduate from college? 2003. Okay. So you're a couple years behind. Did you redshirt? I redshirt. Yep. Okay, so you're really only one year younger than me. Um, that's yeah, actually 41. a hidden benefit, by the way. It changed a little bit now, but I didn't redshirt in the Ivy League because, like, you just didn't do that back then. Now these guys, either because of COVID or because of injuries, a bunch of them get a fifth year. But the way I look at it, Emory, is that was one more year I got paid to play in the NFL rather than playing for free in college. And, and what's interesting about that, two weeks ago when I was at the GLIAC Media Day, uh, there's a there was a linebacker, Julian uh, Julius Robertson, who is their best linebacker. He's 6'2", 226, 
a smart dude, phenomenal player, right? And when and you know when you watch him play, you're like man, this dude had to redshirt that first year, and he was scout team, you know, defensive player of the week and a couple times. And I asked him about the benefits of redshirting because, like you said, nowadays you rarely see it, and some people see it as a knock. And but you know, I saw it as a benefit. To and he was like, yeah, I see it as a benefit because it it let me get my mind right for college football. It let me get my you know, body right and going up against, you know, these seniors and, and guys that we had on the offensive line and, and, you know, who they had run the football, it helped me get up to speed faster because a lot of people, a lot of high school players don't really understand, Hey man, you may be good here, but you're probably not physically or even mentally ready to play college football and taking advantage of the red shirt year is huge. And listen, and again, it helps build your confidence because if you're out there, I know I was like, all right, if I'm killing the starting defense, I can play college ball, man. I'm doing well and I'm, I'm working on my game. I'm learning the system um, while also, you know, learning technique while also, you know, running, you know, whatever plays they want you to run during a red shirt scout team. It's like, yo, this is, this is not bad at all. This is an opportunity. And when you take that advantage, you really can hit the ground running your red shirt freshman year. You know, I didn't redshirt. I actually played a couple games, started a couple games as a freshman defensive end. I don't know if I ever told you that. <laughs> I, was, I started against Colgate, Columbia as a freshman D-end. And then Christmas break, man, uh, too much yingling, too many trips to the diner at 2 a.m. I think I left. I think I ended my – I think I left for Christmas break probably at like 2.58. And I came back. 283. I gained 25 pounds during Christmas break my freshman year. I mean, dude, I, I hadn't seen my friends in a while. My mom's making me great food. I wasn't, you know, I'm 19 or whatever. I wasn't worried about it. Actually, I was still 18. Unbelievable. Think how like young you are. I know. Back right? then. And uh, it's funny because I just did a speech recently. Not a speech. I just intro these four Princeton guys that were honored, they were seniors when I was a freshman. And so uh, it's 25 years for them. So I honored those guys. I was like the MC, sort of like mm-hmm. what you did a couple weeks ago or a week ago at the GLIAC. And I remember the nose tackle when they wanted to move me from defense to offense, the nose tackle was like, don't do it, man. The dark <laughs> side, you can't go to the dark side. Don't do it. Because back then, Princeton's defense was really good. And our offense really struggled. So um, I just said in front of everybody, it was like 150 people, Emory, you know, Prince football guys, because he was like, don't go to the dark. You can't do it. That'd be a terrible decision. I was like, good call there. Because <laughs> <laughs> I sure as heck wasn't making the NFL as a D lineman. I can assure you of that. So uh, just funny story. Uh, all right. So today, Emory, by the way, congratulations on 15 years. That is amazing. Big flan, uh, fan of you. You know that. And all the content that you produce. Big fan of everything you do for this show. I can't highly recommend the draft guide enough. I mean, I tell everybody about it. Footballgameplan.com slash 2023 draft guide. Nobody has the depth and breadth. And I hate saying that about you, Emery, because I don't like pronouncing those words. Depth, I'm okay, but breadth gets me. The DTH gets me. <laughs> Depth and breadth 
of Emory when it comes to the draft guide, including breaking down these Pac-12 prospects. I love that you got a running back, number one, Emory, and Zach, it's Charbonnet, right? The UCLA. Charbonnet, yep. He, he transferred, right? From from Michigan, and he was he was someone that I watched in high school. It was like, all right, this Michigan, because again, Ross, we remember a time when the Michigan starting tailback was like a premier position, like it was at Texas, like it was at Texas A and M. Who's dotting the I in Michigan? Who's toting the rock? You think back to Anthony Thomas and all those guys, right? Um, they trained. Tyrone Wheatley. Tyrone Wheatley. Tyrone you know, Wheatley was a bad boy. Listen, people. Uh, you know, I called Morgan State games when he was the head coach of Morgan State. And I first, you know, production meeting, I'm like, Coach, first of all, I got a fan out. That game in the Rose Bowl was one of my favorite games to watch. I felt like Washington didn't understand how fast she was for a dude that's, that was six feet, 235 pounds. So I had to fan out for a minute with that. Yeah, you're right. Michigan, Bianca Batuka, another one that was, that was tremendous. So Charbonnet was, I was like, all right, Michigan got them guys, got themselves a back. And he was playing really well. And he just transferred to UCLA last year. He had a breakout game against Hawaii and what he did against LSU. I just like his footwork. You know, I feel like for a you know, bigger guy, taller, bigger back, you know, he has fantastic feet. And not just, you know, pre-line of scrimmage, post-line of scrimmage. He's able to find the little lanes and, and make those cuts, you know, those lateral cuts to get to where he needs to be. He may not have the top-end explosive speed, but I feel like he has uh, the ability to be a productive back consistently uh, at the next level. And I, I'm excited to see how he closes out uh, this season. Uh, he was one of those guys that I thought probably would have jumped last year, but came back and um, excited for him and UCLA as, you know, they're paired up with, you know, Dorian Thompson Robson, who's been there for a good solid decade. Unbelievable. I mean, he's like the Tanner Morgan of the Pac-12. <laughs> it's unreal how long he's been there. Speaking of quarterbacks, what about tell me about Cameron Rising from Utah? <sighs> I hate to use uh, uh, such an easy uh, pun, but he's a guy that's rising up a lot of people's lists. You know, uh, Utah Utes. I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of, of Winningham and their program, so I I'll watch Utah play anybody. I don't care if they're playing my family. I'm rooting for Utah because I'm a big Winningham fan and how they play. Uh, Rising is someone that I think does a great job off script. He has good athleticism, a good burst when he takes off and run. Um, and he plays a lot like Taylor Heineke, you know, kind of that, that breakneck style. And that, you know, if if you uh, he's like the perfect movie quarterback is not, you know, one, two, three, get the ball out and, and technically sound. But he's a gamer. He's he's, you know, he's uh, putting the women and children to bed and going looking for dinner. Right, you know he's Joe Kane. Joe Joe Kane. Kane. You know, what I'm saying like Kane is able. Uh, he's that guy, and so he's someone for me that um, you know he plays a lot off script, which is fine because not every quarterback should play the same way. But people are, are, are excited about him because he has a really good arm. I feel like you know the anticipation has to be a little bit better, but a lot of things that he has are checking boxes, and, and a lot of people I know in the NFL like his game. What about? Another Sewell at Oregon. This time it's Noah Sewell, the linebacker, Panay Sewell's younger brother. People love comps and people hate comps. So if you're going to either love or hate this comp that I'm going to throw out here, but he has a lot of Zach Thomas to his game. 
right? You know, he's someone that just instinctively gets it and he's able to get himself in position to make a play, whether it's, you know, making a play and breaking up a ball or turning the ball over or, you know, sifting through the trash to get to the, the running back and make a stick uh, at the point of contact and bringing them down. He's not one of these guys that's going to make tackles 17 yards down the field and rack up a lot of, you know, four solo tackles, 85 assisted tackles. He's not that guy, right? He's a legit inside backer that can that has some good zone ability. There's a little bit of hip tightness, um, in my opinion, which is why he kind of compares to me like Zach Thomas. But in that same breath, we remember Zach Thomas at Texas Tech and how all over the field he was. I feel like Sewell is just like that uh, coming out of Oregon. So I'm a big fan of what he brings to the table. I, I like his ability. Um, he's definitely one of the top backers, uh, off-ball linebackers in the, in the draft class. Wow. You want to talk about people that have been in college for a long time. Our next guy, your number four guy, Oregon quarterback Bo Nix. I feel like I was it not Bo Nix's true freshman year when he beat Oregon as Auburn's quarterback? He beat <laughs> Justin Herbert and or am I losing my mind right now? Though you're so all- I I watched that whole game. Bo Nix for Auburn against Oregon. Now Bo Nix plays for Oregon, even though his dad went to Auburn. He was Auburn's quarterback. What's the whole dynamic there? He just thought Auburn was uh, was in a bad spot and had to get out of there, or was he going to get beat out? What? Give me the give me the lay of the Bo Nix land in in uh, in Auburn. First of all, his name doesn't even fit in the Pacific Northwest. He should have transferred somewhere in the South because Bo Nix is a Southern name. You gotta you gotta play somewhere in the South. You know you can't be out there in, in the Pacific Northwest with a name like Bo Nix. That doesn't work. You know, so I'm excited to see how it plays out from that perspective. But on the field, to your point, I think it's something that he had to. Um, it was a you know, a con- you know, it was a combination of things. You had you know, big Pontchartula out there as well for Auburn and T.J. Finley, um, the highly touted recruit that transferred in from LSU. You had Bo Nix's own inconsistent play um, that really had him draw the ire of a lot of fans, and so the uncertainty of the coaching situation as well. So with all of those things, it was like, you know what? I need a fresh start. I need to reset, you know, how people view me and going to Oregon gives him the best opportunity to do that because with all his faults and, you know, this dude is a gamer, you know, this dude is someone that he'll find a way you go back and look how he played against Penn state. You know, he had some, some, it was a, the, the Bo Nix, you know, spectrum. You saw the, the man, that was a, a damn good play. He said, man, what were you doing? So it was an up and down. So if he can go out to Oregon and flatline this plate, I know it's a new staff out there, but, you know, here's an opportunity for him to, you know, reset people's eyes and resets, reset people's, you know, opinion about him. Because remember, there were talk last year that he could be a Heisman Trophy winner or a first-round pick or the number one overall pick in a draft going into the season. And that's just a lot of undue pressure that was put on him. And yeah, it's no fault of his own. But I'm the reason why he's on this list is because I'm excited to see how can he change the narrative by going to somewhere unfamiliar and, and really thriving in a whole new scheme, whole new system. And it's funny we talk, we joke about this all the time, but he's actually listed as a junior, bro. He has been there forever. He is not a junior, you know what I'm saying? But with COVID, everybody's at least 
a redshirt sophomore or a junior. Nobody's a senior anymore, but they've been there seven years. So I mentioned on the Ross Tucker football podcast, I am going to the Hall of Fame this weekend. Really looking forward to it. And of course, I needed a lightweight suit because it's going to be hot. It's August. That's what's awesome about the tailored suits from Express. The lightweight linen. You can mix and match to create endless outfits or go for the full monochrome look. That's me. Perfect for weddings or Tony Baselli's Hall of Fame enshrinement. What are you waiting for? Find your new fall favorites at Express online or in store. I've totally lost track and given up on knowing when any of these guys are graduating or how much eligibility they have. I don't know how the NFL is keeping track of it anymore. I mean, they they can't be. I mean, at this point, they really can't be. They, they, they just have to be like, all right, well, just – let us know when you want to try to come to the NFL. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's crazy. All right. I've been wanting to ask you about this guy. And I'm happy for him. He's doing what's best for him. My heart hurts a little bit for Pitt that he left after having such an awesome year with Kenny Pickett. But it's USC wide receiver Jordan Addison. No one – I was talking with my homeboy the other uh, week while I was in the airport and we were talking about like the great um, Keith Jackson and how he made every game, you know, he, he, the, the player made the, the, you know, the game what it is, but Jackson enhanced it like, and also guys like Brent Musburger. I felt like Ricky Williams record breaking run wouldn't have been the same had Musburger not been on the call. I feel like Vince Young's, you know, game-winning touchdown against USC in the Rose Bowl wouldn't have been the same if, if Keith Jackson wasn't on the call. Uh, Heisman, you know, hello Heisman wouldn't have been the same if, you know, somebody else was calling the game for Desmond Howard. And I'm saying all that to say we were talking about how guys used to really stay where they are in football and just thrive where they are. You know, like your Larry Fitzgeralds and, and those guys, you know, Nowadays, guys just move all around to where it kind of takes away the 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 thing for that makes college football special. And Addison, I think, was someone that if he stayed at Pitt, he could have been up there with the you know Antonio Bryant's, um, the the Larry Fitzgeralds, you know, the the tremendous amount of Pitt wide receivers, uh, the the Jonathan Baldwin's, those that the guys that they've had. And and he's a really good receiver. I'm not taking anything away from what he's. Uh, done on the field or what he's going to do at USC. He's someone that, that has a lot of nuance in how he runs routes. Um, he has a lot of ability in how he's able to track the football. His rack skills is what makes him special. So you can get him the football deep, short, intermediate, whatever he turns into, it turns into a kickoff return for him uh, when he has a ball in his hands. And I just like his overall ability and how he sets up defenders, how he's able to explode and accelerate in and out of his breaks um, knows when and where to gear up or gear down, but I just wish he would have done all of those things at Pitt. It's, he's going to do it at USC, but the the college football fan in me wish he would have just stayed at at, at Pitt and uh, thrived there, even with a different quarterback, which would have made his uh, status even more of a rock star than what it's going to be uh, playing with Caleb Williams out there at USC. Yeah, I think he was skeptical of 
a new coordinator, new quarterback, able to go out to USC. Who knows how much NIL money was involved or whatever, but gets to play with a really good quarterback in Caleb Williams and gets to play uh, as well for Lincoln Riley. Speaking of that, while we're talking about USC, what do you think? I know he's only a true sophomore, so he's not eligible yet. But what do you think of Caleb Williams, Emery? I know you haven't thoroughly evaluated him, but just watch him on TV. I'm curious. I, I like his game. He's he's athletic. You know, he he's able to create. Um, and that was the thing that that you know ingratiated his ability when he was at Oklahoma. You just saw a completely different offense when he got in there in replace of Spencer Rattler. Um, the ability to throw the football down the field, adding the running element, you know, can be a legitimate threat in running the football. That was huge too. So for me, that all of what is what made him who he uh, was. Now you you get him back with Lincoln Riley, and you know you add a, a tremendous game breaker in, in Jordan Addison, and this guy we're talking about next in, in um, uh, Travis Dye, who transferred from Oregon to USC. You know, I like Caleb Williams. I, I and again, he's a true sophomore, but who knows? You know. He may have been out of high school a year, and we just didn't know. But I know he was a true freshman last year. But he's someone that's going to be – I expect him to take that next step and be, uh, you know, on top of a lot of people's list for 2024 draft. Tell me about Travis Dye. It, he's he's explosive, and he's a, a, a daughter and a dasher. You know, he's able to, to plant that foot in the ground and dart forward or, or dash away from a defender. Um, and he is paired up perfectly for what I expect to be a fast break offense here um, for USC. I mean, I liked him at Oregon. I thought he was criminally underrated as a runner at Oregon. It's, it seemed like he was always making you know big game changing runs uh, and crucial runs, despite being a slender guy. He was breaking a lot of tackles and it was explosive. Now you put him in a spread a spread open sprint offense. Uh, at USC, I, I just think he's going to do ridiculous numbers uh, here for the Trojans. He's a great, he's a great, I would say, third down type. I hate saying third down back, but, you know, he's a, a guy that can be so effective without volume. And that's just music to the ears of NFL scouts. What about a quarterback that I didn't know that much about until I saw Dane Brugler had him ranked really high, Tanner McKee from Stanford? You talk about cut and paste quarterbacks. Like, there's a lot of Davis Mills and what McKee does. Um, now, McKee has, he has a, you know, he has good velocity on his passes. Um, footwork is, is all out of whack. So he's got to improve on that. Um, and he has to work on that to get that consistent. His lower body mechanics, I feel like, are a little bit uh, inconsistent. But him throwing the football and he's able to put the ball where it needs to be. Um, he's played well situationally. Uh, and I feel like where he gets in trouble is because his lower body is not in sync with where he's throwing the football and the ball could be a little bit behind, uh, could, you know, sail a little bit high. So he has a lot of work to do. Uh, but when it's on, it, it's pretty. It's, it's just like Davis Mills. So, again, he's someone that he played well last year for, for Stanford. And if he can build on that and tighten up his mechanics and and be more consistent in his placement, I feel like he has a chance. Another quarterback, man, we we got a lot of quarterbacks here to discuss. Washington State quarterback Cam Ward. No one knew about Cam Ward 
um, until they saw football game plans, you know, FCS kickoff show every Saturday morning from uh, 11 a.m. Eastern time to noon Eastern time on Next Level Sports, right? Because we had Cam Ward on the show. He was a quarterback at Incarnate Word, played in the Southland Conference. They're, they are like the Big 12 of the FCS. This dude, Ward, won the Jerry Rice Award uh, two years ago, as a, which is the top freshman in the FCS. He was in line for the Walter Payton Award, which is the Heisman Trophy of the FCS, but got beat out by another Southland quarterback in Cole Kelly, who was uh, who's at Southeastern Louisiana, who's now with Washington. Uh, but Ward, and I, I don't throw this around lightly, but comparing his game looks a lot like Steve McNair at Alcorn State. So when the head coach or the OC, I forget who it was, tra- got the job at Washington State, you knew it was a given that Ward, he had outplayed his competition and he was going to find a way to get to Washington State. Transfers out, goes to Washington State. I think he almost immediately makes Washington State a dark horse in the Pac-12 because of what he can do throwing the football. You got good quarterback play. You're already on the plus side of, of the win column uh, in football. He is excellent. He's a dark horse Heisman candidate. He's a pro prospect. This dude really can throw the football. He's a very good athlete that has a running component as well. But his passing, and when I say his passing, I'm talking about not, you know, efficient to where it's, you know, you, you could move the offense. I'm talking about big throws, big-time throws. Uh, his, and if you look at the uh, Emory Hunt football focus uh, numbers, his big-time throw rate is where it needs to be. And, and so that's according to EFF, you know what I'm saying? So the EHFF. So Ward is someone people will be talking about a lot of, as the season goes on. EHFF. I love it. All right. What about what about a linebacker from Arizona State, Merlin Robertson? Bro, how long he's been there? Like, he was like a Pac-12 freshman a year in 2018. 2018 feels like a decade ago. Because, you know, if you think about what we've been through the last couple of years, 2018 seems so far away than uh, I felt like 2020 was two years in, in one. And then 2021 was a year and a half. I, I feel like we are so far removed from his freshman year. He's he's someone that came back for a fifth or sixth year or whatnot. But he was so good as a freshman. He was like, oh, this dude's going to be a f- future first round pick. And then he just kind of tailed off a little bit at each year. But you like his his length, you like his ability to, to, you know, you know, step in front of passes and zone coverage. I feel like he's more, um, he reminds me of Jelani Tavai uh, when he was at Hawaii, a guy that could play in the middle. He could play sandbacker. He could play weak side backer. Uh, so you give, you he could probably, you know, rush with his hand in the dirt. So you, he gives you a lot of flexibility. But I, I want to see him get back to that um, freshman year uh, Robertson, you know, when he was out there just making all kind of plays. And I, I'm a big fan of what he was doing um, and how he's he has the size that you look for and it has the ability, but it just feels like we've seen him so much um, because he played a lot of ball that you, you don't know if he's gotten better or if he's just kind of stayed the same. I had the same issue with Josh Rosen when he was at U, UCLA. We were so amazed at what he did as a freshman because you don't normally see freshman quarterbacks step in and play like that. But when you really watch me, like, man, he just that was 
that was his he flatlined after that. He didn't get better, didn't get worse, but he just didn't progress. And I feel like we're seeing it with Robertson. So I hope that's not the case. I hope he gets back to what we saw earlier in his career because you you don't want to see a guy be maxed out as as a as a young player. Lastly, Emery, let's get into Andrew Voorhees, the tackle, the lineman from USC. You know, you want to see him activate his hands a little bit better and quicker because I feel like guys, defensive players, are able to get their hands on him first inside on his chest, and it, it really kind of puts him in a bind. Um, but he's so quick off the ball, he has good footwork and good mobility that he's able to climb to the second level rather seamlessly and and execute blocks. But you want to see his hands be a little bit better in that regard because, again, hand usage, you know this, Ross, is – paramount as an offensive lineman especially when you go into the nfl uh, because you're facing the best of the best uh, from a physical standpoint athleticism standpoint and in some cases from a technical standpoint if you are not good technically um then everything else don't doesn't even matter speaking of best the best his name is emory hunt at fball game plan on twitter football game plan on youtube I say it all the time. If you're not subscribing, why not? Please subscribe to youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL while you're at it. Footballgameplan.com slash 2023 draft guide. Really appreciate those of you that give us the five-star reviews. It's awesome. It helps quite a bit. Just real quick on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or however you listen, just do the five stars. If you can make a written review for a sentence, that means a lot as well. Other than that, Emery? The keg is kicked. We are all tapped out. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and The Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.